Well, today we begin a new message series which I've entitled Stages of Life. And I believe there are five distinct life stages that people pass through. And each of these stages has challenges and has rewards. Each stage is unique and has different characteristics. And the transitions, therefore, from one stage to another can sometimes be stressful. I might say often is stressful. The good news is that God is there to strengthen us. God is there to guide us in each and every stage of life. Isaiah 46, verse 3, you can follow along in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the outline and the verses. It says, listen to me. You have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I am he, and to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear you, I, I will bear, <laughs> you will bear us too. I will bear, I will carry, and will save. And so God knew each one of us in our mother's womb, and he promises to be with each and every believer through every stage of life. And that's encouraging, that's comforting, that he's going to be with us. The first life stage is basically from childhood through the teen years when a person is living with their parents. The second stage, that we're going, to be, we're going to talk about one stage today, the first stage, but I'm going through all five so you understand what they are. The second stage is the young adult stage. That's basically as a child leaves their uh, parents' home, goes out on their own as a young adult in their 20s. In this stage, there's important decisions are made. Uh, decisions about career, decisions about marriage, other decisions are often made in that life stage. The third life stage is the adult years, a person from their about 30s to 50s. That's the, the age in which children are raised, careers are advanced. The fourth stage in life is the senior years of the 60s and 70s. And in these years, people often retire. The fifth and last stage is the end of life stage. It's in the 80s plus, plus years. And in this last stage, we probably finally face our own mortality, that we're not going to live to 200, we're not going to live forever, uh, there's going to come an end to our lives, and so we prepare for eternity, and we prepare to leave a legacy to those that we leave behind. And God has promised that as we follow Him, He will be with us through each and every life stage. Now, every one of us is in one of these five stages. And I'm sure you know which one you're in right now. Some of us have a lot of stages ahead of us. Others have a lot of stages behind us. And some are kind of in the middle. And as we talk about each stage... Everyone is going to be in the stage we're talking about, okay? And so let's think about not only if this is a life stage we're not in, let's think about the people we know that are in that life stage. Because as we understand more about that life stage, we can help them in that life stage. We can encourage them in the life stage that they're in. If you're younger, think about the future stages because one day you'll be going through them. And it will help you to better understand and be prepared if you understand these future, future stages. And also, as you're younger, you can appreciate and encourage those who are at a further stage in life. 
You can understand the things they are going through. If you're older and you've gone through a lot of stages, understanding the younger stages will help you encourage those younger than you and to help them as they go through life. And so today we're going to look at the first stage, which I've called growing up. Uh, this is from a, a child growing through childhood through their teen years as they live with their parents. And I believe that the pressures and temptations of this first stage have increased dramatically in recent years. But God is there to help teenagers to resist those pressures and live, and live for him. God desires for those of us who are older, who are no longer teenagers, and that's most of us uh, here today, to better understand what teenagers today are facing. Why? So we can encourage them, so that we can help to guide them to walk their lives in God's direction. And so we're going to look for God's word, at God's word, for direction for those who are in this first stage of growing up. It's important for those in that stage to acknowledge God early in life. Psalm 34:11 says, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And so it's vitally important, as those who are not in the teenage years, to teach our children and our grandchildren about the Lord. We are to, we are to teach them not just about God, but about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is, is an awe. It's a, it's a submission to the power and authority of God. Children need to learn from God's word from the earliest of ages. 63% of all believers today in America were saved between the ages of 4 and 14. That's amazing. The majority of people who are saved in America today, 63%, were saved between the ages of 4 and 14. I was led to the Lord by my mother when I was 4 years old. So I fit into that category. And also the majority of children who are saved at an early age are led to the Lord by guess who? Their parents. Okay? Some find the Lord in church, but the majority are led to the Lord by their parents. Salvation at an early age prepares children for the rest of their life. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. So in this verse, it's as if God's wisdom is personified and is, is speaking. And it's saying those who love God's wisdom will be loved by him. Those who diligently seek God's wisdom for their lives will find a relationship with him. Now, oftentimes, goals in life begin to be formed in the teen years. They begin to think about where they're going in life, what their career might be, how they're going to serve God. Our culture seeks to squeeze teens into its own mold, a mold of seeking popularity, a mold of peer pressure. And yet God desires for today's teens to be saved and to seek spiritual priorities. God is seeking for teens to grow in their knowledge of the word and to put it into practice in their lives. And as they learn God's word, it can, it can serve as a barrier. It can serve as a protection against the temptations, against the 
ungodly pressure that our culture seeks to put upon all of us, including today's teens. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1 says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And so God's Word instructs young people to remember their Creator in their youth, to acknowledge God early in life so the rest of their lives can be lived for Him. Sometimes youth are tempted to think, well, when I get older, then I'll get uh, right with God. Then I'll serve God. But no, God says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. As a youth, you have your entire life ahead of you to serve God. Now, the evil days here are the last stage of life before leaving the world. It's, it's sometimes it's at a time of pain. It's a time of weakness. But God promises to be with us in that stage as well as we'll see in the future. And so youth teens are encouraged to use their strength, to use their younger years, to use their vigor to serve God and not wait for a future time to begin. It's a sad thing sometimes to go through life when a youth has wasted that time, that time of youth in not serving God, to have to look back on wasted years living life apart from God. And so we should encourage you to acknowledge God early in life. Now, some people think that children cannot make life-changing decisions early in life, but that is certainly not true. We've seen that the majority of believers make a salvation decision between the age of 4 and 14. And parents have the primary responsibility to lead their children to the Lord, and to help them to grow following God and understanding His Word. Bringing children and grandchildren to church is part of their spiritual growth. But even greater importance is, is teaching your children God's Word at home during the week. God gave every parent the children and the grandchildren that they have. He matched the children with their parents. And he prepared you as parents to pray and to teach your children more about Jesus. And teens, as a teenager, God wants you to listen to what he's speaking to you through your parents, through his word, through the church, and to seek God rather than the goals of our culture. God's wisdom is far more important than popularity. It's far more important than wealth. It's far more important than pleasure. Acknowledge God early in life. Next, for those in this life stage, respond to God's call. We're going to look to Jeremiah 1, verse 5. God is speaking to Jeremiah, and he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And so God's call to Jeremiah was before he was born, indeed before he was conceived. God spoke to Jeremiah when he was a youth, as we'll see, and probably just a teenager. The teen years are oftentimes when God makes clear his calling on a young person's life. And I believe that God calls every believer in specific areas. He calls every young person into a career, into a ministry, and usually into a marriage. Now what was Jeremiah's response? To God's call. Well, he said in verse 6, 
Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth, for to all to whom I send you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Well, Jeremiah reasoned that he was too young to respond to God's call or to accomplish God's call, but God would have none of Jeremiah's excuses. When God calls someone, he gives them the ability and the power to accomplish his call. And so it was for Jeremiah. God's calling to Jeremiah, as we've talked about in past lessons, or past sermons, was, was difficult, but God was with him throughout his life from a young age all the way through. Now this verse is also a warning to those youth who want to put off serving God until they're older. Some want to simply have fun in the sin of this world, thinking they'll come back to God at a future date, but that is very dangerous thinking and often leads to disaster. The only safe course in life is to follow God's plan and not your own. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And this verse was written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Timothy. At some point in Timothy's past, perhaps in Timothy's youth, there was prayer over him, and it had resulted in a spiritual gift or calling being deposited into his life. But apparently, Timothy had let this, this we might call the fire of this gift, ebb in his life. It was no longer in the place in his life that God wanted it to be. And God's instruction to Timothy was for him to, to fan this gift, this fire of God, back into full flame. That he would be on fire for God, on fire for doing the things that God had called him to do. In a sense, this is true for every youth that is a believer. God has put a fire of God in your heart, and he wants you to, to let that fire burn for God, to be on fire for God. There are many influences that can cause the fire of God in a person's life to die down, to be quenched. But God's will is for every young person to be on fire for him and on fire to carry out God's plan for your life. If you're not a young person, that's a prayer you can pray for every young person you know, that the fire of God would be in their hearts and would be burning hot, that they might follow God every day of their lives. Now, God's plan for a person's life can only be carried out through His Spirit, through His presence. Behind the gift of God or calling of God in every person's life is the Holy Spirit. And we respond to God's call by submitting to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the teen years and beyond, there's often a belief or a subtle temptation that whatever a person wants to do must be God's will. And uh, even if, it's, well, if it's not overt sin. So what I want to do must be God's will. Well, this is not true, I would say, most of the time. What we want to do and what God wants us to do are often very different. We see this right in the example of Jeremiah. God called Jeremiah. Did Jeremiah really want to do what God called him to do? No, he was looking for excuses. He didn't really want to do it. And we see this over and over again in Scripture. 
God's will may and usually involves some kind of denial or, or suffering. Self-denial and suffering. Just as Jesus experienced in his life, as we follow him, everything isn't going to be a bed of roses. There's going to be some difficulty in suffering. But God's will is the very best plan that anybody could have for their life. And so that's something we want to embrace. The importance of the Holy Spirit in responding to God's call cannot be overestimated. I began to seek the power of the Holy Spirit in my life in my teen years. My later teen years, God baptized me in the Holy Spirit when I was 19. And the guidance of the Holy Spirit has directed my life ever since in many different ways. And so as a young person, respond to God's call. Seek his presence every day. For those of us that are older, pray for the young people that you know, that you are close to, that they would respond to God's call and seek his presence each and every day. Finally, uh, God's word speaks to young people to serve God wholeheartedly. Let's look at an example of a young king named Josiah. 2 Kings 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Quite amazing. Josiah began to reign at the age of eight years old. And despite his young age, he followed the Lord and served him wholeheartedly. Now this is even more amazing when we discover that Josiah's father and his grandfather, Manasseh, were some of the most wicked kings that had ever lived in Israel. Josiah was the last of Israel's righteous kings. And Josiah's reign was equated with the reign of King David, who was really the premier, although certainly not perfect king, but one of the best kings that ever reigned in Israel. Now, during Josiah's reign, the book of the law was discovered and the temple had been lost under the reign of his father and grandfather. And Josiah reacted to the reading of God's word with repentance and a call for national reform. There's a summary of Josiah's reign in verse 25. It says, Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. Now, that's a pretty good commendation. Uh, I think God's word is saying Josiah was the best king who ever reigned in Israel without compare. He served God from an early age with all of his soul, with all of his mind, and with all of his heart. What was the standard that was applied to his, to his reign? Well, the standard was that he followed God's word and everything that he did. He loved God and he desired to obey him despite being thrust into the kinghood at an age way too young, the age of eight, Josiah made a huge impact for righteousness on the nation. And his legacy was that he served the Lord with everything that he had. And I have no doubt one day we'll be able to talk to Josiah in heaven. Uh, he's going to be there. Paul writes to Timothy again, and moving to the New Testament, 1 Timothy 4.12, 
He writes to this young pastor. He says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Now, we don't know exactly how old Timothy was at this time, but Paul calls on him as a youth to set an example. And the implication was that Timothy, as a youth, as a young person, could set an example for older people, the older people in the church. And five areas here are mentioned that he could be an example in. Of course, we could spend another message going over these five, but briefly, these five areas are important for every young person to follow God in. The first area is speech. The words that we say, are they honoring to God? Are they encouraging to other people? The conduct or actions of a young person should be consistent with their words. What do we call a person who says one thing and does another? We call them hypocrites, right? You say, I'm, I love God, but I do all these things that are not honoring to God. Well, as a young person who's following God, our words and our actions must be consistent. Love, how to be an example in love. Love has two major dimensions, how we love God and how we love other people. God wants us to demonstrate his love in those dimensions. Closely related to love for God is a strong faith in God, that we believe in God, that we trust in God for every aspect of our lives. And finally, one of the areas of strong temptation for the young is keeping pure. Keeping pure in our thoughts, keeping pure in our speech, keeping pure in our conduct. And when young people serve God wholeheartedly, they can have a huge impact for God. Now, one of the temptations for young people in our culture today is to see how much they can fit in with the culture without falling into sin. It's as if there's a, a line drawn in the sand and a person wants to see this line is the line between sin and not sin. And the idea is to see how close I can get to that line without crossing the line. Young people who live that way see how close they can get to the line of sin so they can fit in with their culture around them and not be seen as different will always cross the line and dishonor God. God calls us to be examples to others of serving God wholeheartedly. A person who is serving God wholeheartedly will not just be concerned about their own sin. They'll be concerned about how other people view them, how they are examples to others, and they're going to stay as far away from the line of sin as possible. Not only are they concerned about themselves, they're concerned about the example they set to their peers to others that might follow their example and be led astray. They pray and think about ways they can be examples for Christ in every area of life. And so a godly young person is, they're not worried whether they fit in with, with the culture. They're not concerned about how many likes they get on Facebook or Instagram. They want to serve God. Their reward from, the reward comes from the Lord, whom they serve wholeheartedly. And so today we've talked about the first life stage of, of the growing up life stage, the time from childhood through the teen years. Some of you are in that stage. Many others have passed through.
through that stage, but we all know people, young people in that stage. Some young people are struggling to follow God in what is a decadent culture. We must pray that God would help us to encourage them to acknowledge God early in life. Young people can be saved, water baptized, spirit baptized, as God's word commands. Pray that the young people that you know in your life would hear and respond to God's call on their lives. God has a call on every person's life. It's up to us to respond. Let's pray that young people would serve God wholeheartedly and be examples both to other young people and to older people as well. Now this morning I want to give everyone here an opportunity to repent and to become a follower of Jesus Christ. There's three steps, simple steps. First of all, admit that you sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every person has sinned. Just simply admit that you've sinned, you've broken God's commands. Believe that Jesus died on the cross, lived a perfect life, took your sin, all the sin of the world upon himself, paid the penalty for that sin, and rose from the dead. Believe in him and commit your life to following him. He's alive today as your Lord and Savior. Three simple steps. Simple but profound. That will change a person's life. That will change a person's eternal destiny. So I'd like to ask everyone here to bow your heads right now. If you've never prayed a prayer like that before or you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus Christ this morning, I'd encourage you to pray along with me something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. And I ask for you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. I believe he rose from the dead. I invite him into my life. And I commit myself to following him as my Lord and Savior from this day forth. And for those the rest of us, let's pray as well. Father, today we thank you for your word that instructs young people how to follow you early in life. We pray that the young people we know would acknowledge you early in their days and live for you the rest of their lives. We pray that each one would respond to your call on their lives. We pray that you give them ears to hear what you're calling them to do in the different areas of their life. We pray that they'd be able to discern from your voice and the voices around that are not from you. We pray they would submit to your call. And they would make a choice to serve you wholeheartedly. That they would run hard after you. That they would pursue your will for their lives. And they wouldn't care if they fit in with everybody around. That they would live life to please you first and foremost. We thank you God for each parent and grandparent here today, we pray that you would give them the prayer and the faith to pray for the young people in their lives, and that you would answer those prayers 
and that those young people would serve you wholeheartedly as well. We thank you, God, for your word that teaches us. We thank you that you're with us through every life stage, from the first to the last. We thank you that you're there to encourage us, to guide us, to strengthen us. And one day, you'll open the door for us to, to walk into heaven to see Jesus face to face. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.